thinking about the concept of lostness and being found this morning as we think about these scriptures. I uh, remember the story, I think it was told by Golda Meir about Moses. Uh, she actually told two stories. One was of all the places that Moses could lead his people to in the entire Mideast, uh, he led us to the one place that has no oil. The other one was it took almost 40 years for the Israelites to, to go from Egypt to the Holy Land, and it should have only taken two months, and of course the reason was Moses was a man and he failed to ask directions. I'd been lost in some of the finest places in the world, actually. And I was uh, thinking about uh, one time, and, and it was uh, near Essling in Germany, and uh, we were driving there, and we got within a mile or two of the, the friends that we wanted to visit, the Desikers, a, a German couple that Hamlet was working on, a PhD in psychology at Berkeley. And so we were, we were going to go visit them. And it was winter time, and again, it was only about a mile or two away, and uh, couldn't find the street names. So I stopped at a Gasthaus. And, uh, you know, Gasthaus uh, is a place where people stay overnight, but they also have their meals. And uh, it's a wonderful smell. You memory, you know, the sense of smell. I'll never forget the sense of, of chicken roasting in, in that particular ghost house. And I asked the gentleman at, at the front desk uh, how to find my way to, to the community of Esslingen, not a big community. And he was happy to tell me it was just up this particular street, which I could nearly see. And that was all fine. I was lost, but I was found. Until his wife, or a woman that appeared to be his wife, they had that relationship where they talked to each other, and they didn't argue with each other, but they were debating about who was more correct, because she was literally pointing in the opposite direction. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's terrible to be lost altogether, but then to be close, and then have somebody tell you it's one way, and another person tell you it's another way. Well, what happens when we find ourselves in a sense of being lost? Uh, there are so many different kinds of, of lostness, isn't there? Uh, there's the, the person who's looking for a street sign, and the street signs are not there. You know, they're, 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 yesterday I was delivering green bags. You have green bags here in, in Oregon, I believe, too. And I had a new, uh, new person to pick up green bags from, but a tree had grown over the street sign. And, you know, it's hard to find where you're going when the street signs are covered by trees or bushes, sometimes they're taken down altogether. It's one thing to be lost when you can't find a street sign. That's one kind of, of lostness. But there are different kinds of lostness, as you are well aware, and, and many of them are talked about in the scriptures this morning. Uh, there's a person, perhaps, who's feeling rejected and cast out of the community. Uh, certainly had the woman who was healed of a hemorrhage that was one of those. She had no part in the community anymore because she had uh, a, a disease, or so it was thought. Uh, there is the, the sense of the girl child being healed, and, and women were not even talked to by uh, good Jewish people, uh, let alone uh, having the leader of the synagogue asking Jesus to go and, and heal his daughter, well, not his son, but his daughter. Come back to that in a minute. There, there are people who lost a job. There are people who are single, uh, who used to be married, and the whole culture, it seems, is based around couples, uh, there is a lostness when you're now a single person, whether it's a death or a divorce or whatever it is, you no longer fit in uh, where you used to fit in. There's that kind of lostness going on. 
there's different kinds of lostness in our society and how grateful we are when we can find our way and trust that God will move us to the place that God wants us to be, back in community, back in relationship that's a whole and healthy, and so often so many are not. Well, the Bible is like a GPS system. Uh, I'm sure you're aware of what a GPS system is. It helps us to, to, to change our path. You know, have you ever had one of those GPS systems in your uh, in your card that you've rented, perhaps, and uh, don't you just hate it? recalculating because it reminds you so many times that you've taken a wrong turn. I remember one time visiting father-in-law in Columbus, near Columbus, and I, I knew how to get to the path where I was going, but that system was turned on, and it, it kept telling me, recalculating, recalculating. You know, GPS system, though, is mostly helpful. It helps us to find our way home. Uh, I appreciated John Navone, a Catholic scholar, who said that all of the scriptures really are about home, about one way or another going home, going to the place that God wants us to be. I was thinking this, uh, this Sunday, uh, the scripture fits so well for the concept of the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, more, more uh, accurately, God the creator of the universe who speaks to those that are lost and speak most commonly, as we know in the very beginning, to Abram. Uh, I remember being at, uh, at a seminary class when they were talking about ancient Israel. They had a sense of God calling them to a new place and they had to cross one boundary after another, uh, the geographical boundaries. They, they were lost in a certain sense because they were slaves in Egypt and they longed to go to the place where God wanted them to be. So there's a history of Israel longing for home. And uh, you recall the story of how they had to cross one barren desert after another as a pilgrim people. They were not bound by their furniture. Uh, they were bound by a vision of going home. And day after day, God provided the manna, but also challenged them to, to go into a new culture, uh, into, into a new community, where there were different customs and uh, different ways of worshiping God. They had to face the challenge of the unknown uh, to keep going to the place where God wanted them to be. And so we were talking about crossing boundaries and that each of us has a boundary. If you think about it, not only did Israel have a boundary as a, a nation they had to go to, uh, to meet the place where God wanted them to be, they had to cross boundaries, but we as individuals have boundaries as well. Um, we're called to move on uh, from the block that stops us from encountering the new, whatever the new is. Uh, it's a statement of faith that we trust that God is ahead of us and going before us and calling us to his self, to himself. So the sense of Abraham uh, going back even uh, before the Exodus, uh, sometimes people like to date it. I, I'm a history person, so I like to date things. Maybe 16, 1650 BC, uh, the story of Abraham and how he was called by God to, to let go of the furniture, the stuff that defined him to become a pilgrim in a, in a barren land to go to a place he'd never been before. And God called him, but the problem was he's nearly 100 years old and he had stuff. I mean, I don't often quote George Carlin, but he was in an airplane and he, he looked down at all the houses below him and he said, you know what those houses are? 
They're just places where we store our stuff and they have a roof over them. And what you do is buy more insurance. Huh? Becoming a pilgrim is letting go of the furniture uh, that defines us to go where God calls us to be. So Abram, known as the father of all our, our religions, Judaism, uh, Christianity, uh, Islam, uh, are all parts of the faith of a man called Abraham, who at 90 to 100 years of age went to a place he hadn't been to before because God was calling him. So in a sense, God the Creator cared about the people Israel and called them to be distinct among the nations and moving from one place to a new home uh, that they had not seen before. I was thinking of God the Creator who calls his people to be a pilgrim people, to encounter the barriers and boundaries, to go where God calls us to go, and to trust that God is in control. You know, you, you see and hear the events of last week and all the political drama that I maybe mean, some of you haven't heard. There's a lot of political drama going on in the country right now. It's, it's hard to believe uh, sometimes that there's a future that we can look forward to when there's so much drama we have with the stuff we're in the middle of. But the sense that God is in control of, of his people comes to us through the sense that we're distinct from other political movements and trusting that God is in charge and not even uh, the government. I was reading about St. Paul's words in the text this morning in the fourth chapter of Romans and calls to awareness of Abraham. We are children of faith who trust in God, calls us into a future that is unknown and risky sometimes. You have to let go of what you had control of to go to a place you haven't been. And how Paul was one of those. Now, remember the story of Paul. He was very devout in pursuing the Christian community, trying to destroy it until he has this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Now, I think that that gives an insight into how he interpreted Abraham's walk. There is a boundary that Paul had been committed to as being a good Jew. He believed in the law. He let the law define who he was, but the law led him into corruption. It led him even to a place of, of killing people. Can't help but think that he was responsible. Remember the, the, the cloak of Stephen was laid at Paul's feet when uh, this Christian witness, the first Christian martyr, Stephen, uh, was, was killed by stoning, and Paul was the one who was condemned for pointing out and essentially uh, causing Stephen's death. Couldn't help but think that there was a block for Paul after that point or during that point when he has this encounter with Jesus, Jesus the Christ, now risen, who encounters Paul on his journeys to destroy the Christian community. And something happened on that road that changed Paul forever. His name was Saul and became Paul. He was blinded. And then he got his vision back, but he wondered, could he be accepted in this new Christian community after all he had done to destroy it? And so we have the text in, a, in the fourth chapter of Romans calling the people of Israel to trust in the healing mercy of Jesus Christ and the cross in which he came to believe. And he counted, remember, everything is lost for the supreme value of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. 
I was uh, thinking of Jesus as a bridge. You know, so much uh, we hear about walls and barriers, and, and Jesus is much more of a bridge than he is a wall or a barrier in terms of defining relationships. In the story of him going to the home of a, a dead girl, I remember an encounter he had with a Kenyan uh, woman who was a clergy person, United Methodist. She told a story that took place in Kenya. It had to do with Muslim women uh, who were going through a, a ritual of, of, of essentially burying their children. And it was a group of women, one of whom went to listen to a Christian missionary speaking on a, a similar text where Jairus was identified as the leader of the synagogue. This particular parallel text doesn't have that name, Jairus, but he's a leader in the community, a strong leader who comes to essentially an itinerant preacher, Jesus, and asks him to come to his daughter's house and says she's dead, and yet you can bring her back to life. There's this, this faith that is going to change the society. I remember this Christian mission, uh, this Christian woman talking about her experience in hearing uh, about Jesus going to heal uh, a little girl, or a dead girl in this case. And she said, a Muslim woman, Jesus went to a girl's house? The emphasis on, on being female that Jesus was breaking down barriers all along. And you think about his journey to this young girl's house. Uh, there was the woman who had the hemorrhage who said, if I can only touch the hem of his garment. Now, Jesus didn't have to touch her. He couldn't touch anything unclean. So in that particular case, she was healed. And then he came to uh, the house of the uh, official, the government official or the leader of the synagogue, and he touched a dead girl which is even greater taboo in that society. Jesus cared for a girl child. You think there wasn't something occurring that was different when Jesus came and walked in the middle of our world and called us to a different kind of relationship and wholeness. If, if you had a, a hemorrhage or you had a disease, you were distinct from the society. So when people were healed, they could become restored the community and become a part of the community again. So it wasn't only their physical healing, it was their connection to, to being home again. I was uh, in a group of Companions in Christ. Did you ever have that study in, in this parish? It had to do with uh, relationships with Jesus and more on the, I would saw, call the feminine side uh, and, and not on the teaching side and caused some of us men particularly a little discomfort, frankly, uh, to do some of the things in that class that were um, different for us, a little more confronted. One of the things was you had to talk to people face to face and say certain things like um, repeat to them, I'm a, a special child of God and beautiful to behold. It didn't quite fit, but you did it. And after a while, you got this sense of, of um, emotions and feelings being just as important as understanding the scriptures. And there was a story told of a, uh, a young woman who didn't feel she had a place anywhere. And she was shy and quiet. Yeah, there's a boundary that we have, isn't there, that uh, doesn't always let people in and doesn't believe there's a hope for their future and maybe they're facing overwhelming odds as she was one of those. And uh, unfortunately, it seemed like there was a dark cloud over her life for a long time and she was the one that one night got beat up and uh, got badly bruised. 
And the, the class wondered if she would come back. And it's a wonderful class, by the way. It kind of forces you to cross boundaries of what uh, you think faith is all about. And we, there was a sense in which that particular uh, group study uh, wondered if she would come back to class. And she did. And she had a big black eye. And uh, they said, how did you get the courage to come back to class when you had that big black eye? And she said, I remembered what we've been talking about, you know, that I'm a special, beloved child of God. And I, I looked in the mirror, and I said, I'm a special, beloved child of God, and tomorrow I'll be beautiful to behold. There was a sense in which she came to believe something about being a special child of God and belonging and welcomed back into the community. Jesus as the bridge between what used to be and what can be. And then the Holy Spirit. You know, I was uh, on a close with this true story. A woman in the parish in Arcata had passed away from cancer. And she and her husband, Milt, had always uh, gone cross-country skiing uh, in the Titlow Hill area outside of Arcata. And uh, he said, when the springtime comes, Bob, I want to make sure we spread her ashes um, in this particular valley where they cross-country skied. And so we got to that place, and we said a prayer before we opened the ashes. And then instead of just spreading them, a wind came at that very moment and carried the ashes into the canyon where they had skied. And there was a hawk that screeched at the very same moment. There was a sense that the Spirit of God calls us even beyond death to a place that God has prepared for us. He is the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Christ of faith, with us still today and still calling us home. Let's pray. Loving God, we come to you and not sure always what the future holds, but we are sure who holds the future. You are the creator of the universe, and yet you love even us. And help us to have the courage of faith, not only of Abraham, but of Jesus the Christ, who calls us to remember that whether we're prodigals or faithful sons, we are welcome home to where he is, and to trust in the presence of the Holy Spirit, remembering how Jesus breathed on the disciples the very breath of God, the same as the wind of creation. He breathed on them and said, go forth from here and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to remember. Amen.